today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. The fact is, is for any of us, no matter how long we've been going to church, Can you imagine a time that there was no church? And that's the beginning chapters of the book of Acts. There was no church. Here is where we find the birthing of the church by the power of the Holy Spirit within the believers as, again, by God's bringing the Holy Spirit down, immersing, baptizing these believers. We see that as the birth of the church. And from the birth of the church, came the spreading of the hope of the gospel to all, all throughout the then known world. For many of us, it can be hard to imagine not going to church on a regular basis. Whether we're born and raised in a church, or we've been going for decades since the day we were saved, it's just second nature to us. Have you ever tried imagining what it would be like if there were no church at all? today's message, Pastor David will introduce you to the book of Acts. In his study, you'll learn about the context, history, and spiritual climate as he begins his new series in this book that records the birth of the church. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Acts of the Holy Spirit. really laid on my heart, the book of Acts. The book of Acts was such a powerful message, uh, such a powerful declaration, and just the, the information that we have there of how God worked and moved in beginning his church. I asked uh, again last night, I knew that there was one guy there that was probably a little bit older than others. I asked him how long he had been going to church. And he said about 73 years. Now, I could probably ask here, we might get a couple of more years out of that. I'm not sure. But I'm not going to embarrass you by, by how old you are. The fact is, is for any of us, no matter how long we've been going to church, can you imagine a time that there was no church? And that's the beginning chapters of the book of Acts. There was no church. Here is where we find the birthing of the church by the power of the Holy Spirit within the believers as Again, by God's bringing the Holy Spirit down, immersing, baptizing these believers, we see that as the birth of the church. And from the birth of the church came the spreading of the hope of the gospel to all all throughout the then known world. Now, although the book is called the Acts of the Apostles, really Luke only primarily zeroes in on two of them, the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul. Now he touches on on a few others, but primarily it's Peter and Paul. I think a a better name would be actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit because we see that move from the very beginning all the way through it where the Holy Spirit is working and moving within the hearts and the lives of the believers. And so the Acts of the Holy Spirit. 
You could also call it the gospel according to Luke part two because it is a continuation of Luke's gospel account as he writes to this man or this individual, this friend, Theophilus. Now, the name Theophilus simply means a friend of God or a lover of God. Some have said that it's possibly not even a man's name, but maybe Luke was writing this to those who are friends or lovers of God. But the problem is, is they're dismissing a lot of the language that actually Luke writes in his gospel account. Now, if you've already jumped ahead and you're at the book of Acts, keep your finger there, put a bullet in there, whatever you need to do and then turn left, go two blocks to the book of Luke, okay? The book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke. We will get back to Acts, so save your place there. As Luke begins his gospel account, he addresses these writings specifically to this individual, Theophilus. Luke chapter one, beginning in verse one. Luke writes, inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. The name Theophilus is actually a, a conjunction of two Greek words. Theos, meaning deity or supreme deity or, or God himself, along with the next word, philos. Philos, uh, again, the noun that means a friend or one very fond of another. Nowhere else in the Bible do we find the name Theophilus. Nowhere else do we find it at all, those two words coming together. Only in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts as Luke is writing to this individual. Now there is one exception. James speaks of Abraham as being a friend of God. He uses those two phrases, Theo and Philos. But it's not really calling him that by name, it's simply a description of Abraham standing before God. One other thing about Theophilus here in Luke's gospel account, he speaks of most excellent Theophilus. That speaks of somebody in, in, in high standing, perhaps even a, a government official. Some have speculated that Theophilus was possibly a Roman official and yet also a believer. And as a believer, he was looking for this affirmation of his faith. If he was a Roman official and others found out that he was a believer, they might have really pressed against him saying, how can you believe this superstition and all this deception of Christianity? Why they say that their leader rose from the dead. And again, being pushed against his faith, perhaps he had even asked Luke, Luke, I need an affirmation of the things that I believed in that that have been shared with me. So Luke set out to write what's called an apologetic. And as I've shared with you, an apologetic isn't an apology for Christianity. No, it's a clear explanation. It's a clear layout of of the reasons, uh, the, the evidence for Christianity. And he does that both in his gospel account as well as the account of the birth and the spread of the church in the book of Acts. 
We see it pretty clearly in those opening passages of Luke where he writes that you may know the certainty of those things which you were instructed. Well, whatever the case might be, and whoever Theophilus was, we see in both Luke's write, both of Luke's writings, both in Luke and in Acts, this well-laid-out apologetic, this clear explanation, this precise description of the, first of all, the life and the ministry of Jesus, and then the move of the Holy Spirit, once again, in birthing the church and causing that message of the gospel to spread throughout the world. Because there's no mention in the book of Acts of the execution of the apostle Paul, it's believed that this book, the book of Acts, was written before Paul was executed. That would put it in a time frame of around AD 58 to 60 in that range. A little speculation on some of it, but at least it was about 30 years after the resurrection of Christ. From what we know of Luke at this time, we know that he is the one who is called the beloved physician. He was a Greek believer, followed Paul in many of his missionary journeys. He was most likely at the time that he wrote this account here in the book of Acts, most likely with Paul while Paul was in under arrest there in Rome probably with him while he's writing this book in order that from Paul, even though he's in prison, he was still able to get this interjection of of Paul's thoughts, his memories, the details of uh, many of the events and some of the past activities. So that's where he gleans his information for the book of Acts. As we get into Acts chapter one, we find that there's this very smooth transition uh, from the ending of Luke right into the opening passages of Acts. So again, keeping your place in Acts 1, we'll eventually get there, trust me. But still, go to Luke again, but this time go to the end of Luke, okay? Chapter 24. At the end of Luke, uh, as he's closing out this message, this writing to Theophilus, look down in verses 44 and following. Luke 24, verse 44 and following. And here we find Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he ascends into heaven. Verse 44, then Jesus said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Jesus was sharing with them from the Old Testament scriptures, the same scriptures that the Apostle Paul used as he went out and ministered the truth and the hope of the gospel. As Jesus shared from the Old Testament scriptures, he's sharing that these, as they wrote, they wrote of me, and these are the things that I've been sharing with you during my time with you. He continues on in verse 46, and he said to them, thus it's written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them 
that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, in the first 11 verses, we see pretty much the same, but a little bit more detailed in some areas. Pretty much the same account of the events that we just read at the end of Luke. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Luke writes, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority or power, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me or to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven with your mouths wide open? Okay, that's the, you can get the picture. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Now we're going to look deeper into these words as we get into the chapter, but for now, I simply want you to see the continuity between the ending of Luke and the beginning of the book of Acts here. Again, as Luke wrote here at the opening passages about that former account, it was all about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up. Now in Acts, we now move from there to give an account of the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy to the disciples. He told them that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. As the earlier writing, it's very, very concise summary Again, the, the gospel account, the, the life of Christ, as Luke laid out all of the details. Now here in Acts, we're going to find a very concise summary in the book of Acts. And I say a summary because just like in Luke's writing of the gospel, 
He was not able to do all that Jesus said and spoke. We read about that in John. John says, man, if we wrote down everything that Jesus did and everything that he did, man, the, uh, said and did, the, the world wouldn't be able to hold it all. Well, I believe the same is, uh, is here in the book of Acts. It is a concise summary. Do we see details? Absolutely. But I believe also in the midst of this, Luke was writing in order for us to get the, the grand scheme, the understanding of what the Holy Spirit was doing as the gospel spread throughout the world. That indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, that continual mission of spreading the gospel message, not only in Jerusalem, but throughout the country of Judea, into the area of Samaria that the Jews hated, and even to the end of the world. In verse 3, Luke sets the scene for Theophilus. As again, he shares with him that uh, the, the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. Look what verse 3 tells us. It says that Jesus also presented himself alive after, after his suffering by many infallible Proofs. What's an infallible proof? An infallible proof is something you would bring to the court. You would set before the judge and say, here is the proof of what I'm declaring. There's no argument against it. You cannot disprove it. It is an infallible truth and proof that he showed. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. We could go through the gospel messages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of them records various and assorted events and appearances of Jesus following the resurrection. From his first appearance to Mary, even there still at the, at the tomb. The experience of the two men on the road to Emmaus. The visitation of Jesus to the 10 disciples as they locked themselves away in the upper room. And you remember there were 10 on that first time because Judas was no more. And we understand that Thomas wasn't with them that first time. Where Thomas was, we don't know. But he appeared to the 10 without Thomas there. And then a little bit later, as a matter of fact, the word tells us that eight days later, he appeared to them again in the upper room. And that was the time when Thomas was there. You remember Thomas, you know, he had said, I'm not going to believe what you guys said, not until I see him myself, then I can put my hands in his scars. Remember on that time when Jesus was there with Thomas, Jesus knew exactly what Thomas's situation was. He said, here, put your hands in my scars. Here, put your hand in my side. And that's when Thomas really truly came to faith. And then finally, again, um, the, the gospel accounts of, uh, well, we see him at the Sea of Galilee. Remember as the guys had decided, Peter said, hey, I'm gonna go fishing. All the rest of the guys said, hey, we're going with you. They go out fishing. And then there on the seashore, they see a man that looked like Jesus hailing them and saying, hey, I've got breakfast all ready for you guys, come on in. And so Peter jumps out of the boat. He Again, that ambitious one, he goes there and he has breakfast. All the disciples have breakfast with Jesus and Jesus pulls Peter aside and says, Peter, do you love me? You remember that passage? Again, just that, that whole process of restoring Peter back to his faith and, and, and once again showing his great love and compassion for Peter. And then here, what we see in the book of Acts on the day of his ascension as he goes up into heaven. According to church tradition, as a matter of fact, today is Ascension Sunday. How that all fell, they planned that while I was starting the book of Acts, I don't know, but uh, that is where we're at. 
then, then we find that uh, the Apostle Paul gives, gives records in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You don't need to turn there, but uh, uh, Paul speaks of a variety of these post-resurrection sightings of the Lord. He says he was seen by Cephas or Peter, and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of, of whom the greater part remained to the present, even though some have fallen asleep or passed away. The fact is, is when he says many 500 have seen him and many of those are still alive, those are witnesses, again, that can be brought into court and say, no, we, we saw him alive. He, we heard him, we saw him. And again, these infallible proofs that we see. Paul says, after that, he was seen by James and then by all of the apostles and then last of all by me. These are the events, these are the situations outside of the one that, that Paul saw him because that was some time later. But all of these others, the 500 brethren at once, being seen by Cephas and the 12 and uh, even by James, these are the events, these are the situations that Luke refers to as he writes to Theophilus as proofs, these infallible proofs of Jesus being alive after the resurrection, demonstrating these proofs being seen by the disciples during the 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. It is as if Luke was saying to Theophilus, Theophilus, you need to understand, no matter what the press against you is, our God lives. Jesus Christ is alive, Theophilus. You can stake everything on that. You can believe it because, again, he has demonstrated himself, and we have living proof that he is alive. And as Jesus shared these times with the disciples during those 40 days, Jesus had also challenged them, even as we read here in Acts chapter 1, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said, you've heard about this from me. He had shared this with him before. You heard about this promise from the Father. Now you simply need to wait for it. You remember just before his arrest, just before his crucifixion, there in the upper room with the disciples on that last night, Jesus spent much time with these disciples. Again, I'm going to ask you to turn. I know I've got you going all kinds of places. Keep yourself in, in Acts 1. But now turn over to John chapter 16. As Jesus is with the disciples there, he shares with them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, this is the night that Jesus was betrayed, the last real deep teaching that he gives them before his arrest and his crucifixion. John 16, verse 7. Jesus speaking to the disciples, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Skip down to verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-